freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. This is episode number 83. Our theme is Your Constitutional Rights Are No Joke because it happened to fall on April Fool's Day today, one of my least favorite days ever. I I don't know. I will fall for stuff, so I just hate practical jokes. Yeah, but you'll do that every day. That's what I'm saying. I will fall for stuff. So then when there's a whole day where everything on Facebook is like, wait a minute, what? And you go, oh. Cred. It's April Fool's Day. All right, whatever. Uh, we are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, we have uh, with us in studio our friend Scott Johnson. Scott is the inventor of this cool gadget called the Tacticatch. And he thought up an idea for a segment. He's like, I love your show, but I like to talk about equipment. I like to talk about, you know, the technical side of things. And so what if we kind of did that? And I said, that'd be great for you to do, because, see, I've gone to church enough, so when somebody has a suggestion, you get nominated. So <laughs> so that is how Scott ended up sitting next to us here in studio. But we have this new segment. We're going to give it a roll, see what it sounds like. It is called The Tech Segment. The Tech Segment is brought to you by Tacticatch, the AR rifle retention system. All right. Well, first I want to know more about the AR rifle retention system, Tacticatch. Like, what, what is that exactly? Well, it was a brainchild that I came up with after years of my experience in the military and needing to go hands-free. You know, when you have a carbine rifle in your hands, you can't necessarily do anything with your hands. Even though you have a two-point sling, a three-point sling, uh, every time you would bend over to do something, your rifle would swing away from you, hit your knees or anything like that, hitting the dirt. So uh, I I thought that there would be a better way to help control that rifle. And the tactic catch was born. It was, it was. Been thinking about it for quite a few years. All right. And if you want to know a little bit more about that, you can go to Scott's guest page on gunfreedomradio.com. Click the guest tab. Find Scott Johnson, inventor of Tacticatch. Okay. So we promised tech segment, right? And we're going to talk about muzzles. All right. Let's see what you know. Well, you know, Rifles these days are like cars. There's so much you can do to them, some good things, some bad things, and some are just a waste of money. Uh, and that's what I want to do here is help you make an informed decision on aftermarket parts for your rifle. So this week I wanted to talk about what goes on at the business end of your rifle, the muzzle, you, you know, that end where the bullets come out of. 
Yes, absolutely. That's where they come from. That's it. The, the part that you keep pointed in a safe direction at all times, right? I, exactly. So they're known as flash suppressors, muzzle brakes, and blast shields. And they're also a way to set your rifle apart and an easy way to customize both the look and its functioning. And quite often, people easily get these terms mixed up, thinking they all do the same thing. But they do have separate functions. So, you know, what do those slots at the end of the barrel do? Technically, they're referred to as muzzle devices or more commonly known as a flash suppressor or a flash hider. But thanks to the science of firearms and brilliant inventors out there, there have been vast improvements to what actually goes on when your bullet leaves the rifle and having the ability to control it. So I'm not going to talk about silencers this time since they're a full topic themselves instead. Yes, please. And we will have to have you back and talk about those. Oh, my gosh. They're so cool. (laughs) Um, But there's a lot that goes on with those. Um, but this time we're going to, you know, talk about the differences between flash suppressors, muzzle brakes, also known as compensators, and blast shields. And so what are muzzle devices and how do they help and what do I need it for? What I want to do is help you figure out what will work best for you and your particular need for a device like this. And it boils down to what that purpose of your firearm is. Whether is it just for fun and plinking? Is it for home defense? Uh, do I use my rifle primarily for hunting, uh, precision shooting, or whatever the case may be? So I want to jump right in with flash suppressors. You know, the primary design of these is to reduce the amount of flash that comes out of your barrel after you fire the weapon. So why do you need one of these? Well, it's because they get very close to eliminating just about any muzzle flash or that exploding brilliant bright light after firing your rifle. The one you have on your stock rifle you purchased over the counter at your local shop is pretty decent. However, it is stock. Stock is always boring. (laughs) Aftermarket. It's all about aftermarket, right? It it is. Um, So it's pretty plain, and it does get the job done. But what fun is stock? Um, The best ones that are out there for these flash suppressors are the three-pronged versions you can find. And with the best tested on the market right now is from a company uh, from JP Enterprises, and it's the model JPFH556, and it's a three-pronged flash hider. It seems that those might be a little hard to find, so the second best with nearly identical test results is the BE Myers 249F. In fact, my alma mater, the U.S. Army, they did some extensive testing on flash hiders and ruled that the BE Myers was the best at reducing flash signature. Up to 96% of the flash was suppressed. That's pretty impressive. So flash hiders are great for low-light shooting because it helps preserve your night vision, and it has the added benefit of making it harder to detect where you're shooting from if you're trying to keep your cover in concealment. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I'm thinking Dan just went out to Big Sandy, and they had a night shoot, and I saw some footage because I didn't go. But, I mean, there was tracer rounds and stuff like that that looked like a Star Wars fight, you know. But, but there's still something so cool about, you know, after, after dark shooting with that, that flash on the end of your, your gun. I'm like, why do you want to suppress that? Why do you want to bring that down? But you're exactly right. If you're in a stealthy situation, you don't want to give away your position. Well, to, to give you an example, I remember we experimented with an AR-15 once. We cut the barrel down to about 13 inches, and we put no flash suppressor at all on it. We shot it in pitch dark, and the person that shot the gun, we took a picture of it while he was shooting the gun. You could tell if he shaved or not. Wow. That's how bright the flash was. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. right. So That's why flash hiders are great. Um, you know, If you do low-level shooting, um, then it's not going to 
you know, impair your night vision because, you know, the darker it gets, the wider your pupils get. So you're trying mm-hmm. to absorb more light and you don't want to be looking down your sights of your barrel and then lose that night vision and have to wait a few seconds mm-hmm. to regain some. Thank so they're very effective. That. It's also interesting that you said that three-prong, that's how the ARs first came out. It, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, they had the three-prong, the, the vintage 68 guns. Well, I'm going to get into a little bit more about what happened with uh, they moved into like a hybrid situation. Um, I just want to give you a little reference of how effective that JP Enterprise flash hider is. When it was tested in a dark environment, it measured uh, 0.31 lux illumination. Now, what that translates into is that 0.25 lux is about as bright as a three-quarter full moonlight and how its brightness affects the ground. So this was just one, not a half a tenth of percent higher than what moonlight would be that comes out of there. Like you said, Dan, without one, it's a big bright light bulb out there. But this just barely had any signature left at all. So, you know, you can tell it doesn't have much signature coming out of your rifle from there. Well, the next up is the muzzle brakes. These guys help mitigate the rise and the climb of the barrel after you fire a shot. This makes staying focused on the target much easier with a faster target acquisition for follow-up shots. Some of these will even help with the recoil of the rifle. Similar to a muzzle brake is a compensator, except whereas the brake deflects the gases rearward and reduces the actual felt recoil, which allows you to gain better control of the weapon, the compensator, on the other hand, pushes the gas upward, which reduces the climb of the barrel, allowing successive shots faster. So the compensator is good for rapid fire and tighter grouping. These two are so similar in function, it comes down to a preference as to which would best suit your needs. The best one that's tested out on the market right now comes from Precision Armaments M4-72 Severe Duty Compensator, which has a measured recoil distance of just over two inches. There's also hybrids. This is a little bit what I was telling you, Dan. They do two things. They offer both a little bit of flash suppression and some recoil management. These hybrids are a great solution for those that don't run suppressors or silencers all the time, but they like to have a little better control regarding the flash and that recoil management. I do want to point out, though, that the average recoil from an AR-sized rifle can range rearward up to 9 inches, but with a muzzle brake, you can bring that down to less than 3 inches, as I mentioned, with the JP Enterprises. Now, that's significant enough to seriously consider upgrading your stock muzzle device. So we've all seen and fired those rifles, and we feel that kick. I mean, the, the easy one to remember is like a shotgun. I don't think they have a muzzle brake for a shotgun yet, but... That's an exaggeration of what I'm pointing mm-hmm. out here, mm-hmm. is you see that kick in the rock back in the shoulders. That could be measured up to nine inches on a stock um, flash suppressor or what have you. If you put one of these muzzle brakes on there, um, you're going to mitigate that down to two inches. Mm-hmm. So the last thing is blast shields. This muzzle device will direct the blast concussion and not to mention the burnt powder forward of the muzzle. So you're not going to get a loud concussion or anything like that especially if you're standing next to somebody with a short barrel rifle and next to the range or anything, all that energy and concussion is going to be directed forward. And that's a, a huge, significant savings um, for your hearing and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. A good one out there on the market is the Furfrans Modular Concussion Reduction Muzzle Device. So it, de- it depends on what your function is. Do you just need to get an upgraded muzzle uh, flash hider or suppressor, or do you need to get a muzzle brake, which will help mitigate recoil, or are you going to get a blast shield because you want to direct that energy forwards uh, into a potential threat rather than dispersing it more out to the sides, which is what a muzzle breaker or a compensator will do? 
um, you know. So what, what if I don't know which one's the best for me? Like, what do I do about that? Well, do that's I just kind of try and, and see? or. Well, I think that's when you come down and you think about what is your intended purpose of that specific rifle. So if you're a home guy, uh, you know, primarily have an AR for home defense, something that is going to um, allow you to, uh, you know, adjust for that recoil or that mm-hmm. blast is more of a, a blast, muzzle blast, mm-hmm. because that's going to direct energy forward. It, and it's not going to be so loud, especially like if you're in your room at night and, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're trying to um, mitigate a threat, you're not going to get a huge concussion and blow your eardrums out. All right. Well, this is awesome. Oh, my gosh. I learned so much. I, You know what? You need to ask me again if uh, I should have a certain kind of segment, and I'll say, yeah, if you want to do it. So <laughs> you did awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, we are. I definitely want everybody to learn more about the Tac2Catch, and uh, we will be uh, bringing you right back, and we will be talking with the author of... Good gun, bad guy, Dan Waz. Thank you so much, Scott Johnson, inventor of Tacticatch. Thanks for having me. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's p- hey, ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Now, our next guest, I am really excited to dive into this. He is an author. Dan Waz wrote a book called Good Gun, Bad Guy. 
Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical. This book destroys the anti-gun left and exposes their lies and propaganda. Dan also writes for American Military News and does speaking events all across the country in support of our Second Amendment rights. Welcome to the show, Dan. Well, hello. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. And I have I got your book yesterday. So I'm going to admit that I haven't had a chance to read but a couple of pages, but that's all it takes to get you hooked and make you want to just plow through, binge read it and get from cover to cover. And <laughs> so and so I need you to kind of help fill in, you know, all the stuff that I haven't read yet. What what caused you to write this book? I mean, what is your your background? Have you always been a Second Amendment guy? Did you maybe come from the other side of the aisle? Uh, where did where did all this come from? Well, here's the here's my story in kind of bullet points. I, I started out uh, as a as a kid in a pro gun family. My dad was uh, was into guns. He took me target shooting and hunting and things like that. So I was familiar with how to use a gun, how to, how to use it safely. And I, you know, I was, I had some experience, um, as a kid, I, uh, you know, our friend Larry Pratt from gun owners of America made a distinct, um, he had an awareness and he said to me, he said, you know, it sounds to me like your dad taught you about guns, but never necessarily taught you about, um, the second amendment or mm-hmm. how important it is mm-hmm. that we, you know, we have our liberties and our freedoms and stuff. And, and, you know, I said, you know, you're right. He really didn't, because what happened was when I went, got into my teens and 20s, my dad died when I was about 24, and then mm. I got, kind of got caught up in the anti-gun, um, little anti-gun world, I guess you could call it. You know, the people I was surrounded with at that time were, were kind of anti-gun. So I went anti-gun, believe it or not. I got caught up in all the propaganda myself and yeah. all the lies and all the nonsense. Yeah. It, it wasn't until I had uh, an experience in my life that I realized, man, what am I doing? This is crazy. I need to be able to protect myself, my family, and the good people around me. Um, so this, this, the whole anti-gun thing, which was more of an emotional, um, psychological kind of react, reactionary thing, um, logic actually took over at a certain point, and I and I said, you know what, it, it doesn't make sense uh, to 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 be anti-gun. Mm-hmm. We need them, and there's a reason we have them in this country. There's a reason we have that Second Amendment. It's very important. So so I, I made a, a switch. I had a moment of clarity one night uh, in a situation that I, t- I talk about in the book, and uh, so that's that's how it happened for me. And I started writing. Um, I wrote about my situation that that kind of brought me back um, mm-hmm. to, to reality, and uh, I just kept writing, and pretty soon it turned into a book, and it happened very organically, very naturally, and the response that I'm getting to this book is just, it's been unbelievable. Because it's that good, and so what I'm wondering is, uh, so when you were being kind of pulled in this other direction, I love how Larry, you know, kind of pinpointed that, well, you weren't grounded in your your rights you weren't grounded in the constitution right. so that would make it easier to get pulled in this other direction to where right. you were and maybe my dad my dad maybe thought that i was just too young you know i was just a kid so right. maybe he thought i wouldn't understand uh the principles of our second amendment and what it really means and and that's that's fine because i i wouldn't really expect young children to to get that either necessarily but um but yeah once once larry pointed that out it was very distinct 
to me. Like, oh, wow, that, that could be that could be it. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, you know, what were the things that that were pulling you in the direction to thinking, ah, guns are not good. Guns are bad in some way. Can you remember saliently enough to to share that with us? Or was it just kind of like a, a, a slow process and one day you woke up and you're just like, yeah, guns are bad. And that's the end of it. What I've learned, and, and through the research for this book and through all the thought process that I've gone through, um, it, it's the way uh, propaganda and the anti-gun left media uh, packages all this mm. stuff. They package it in a way that makes it very enticing to people. It makes it easy to consume. People eat this stuff like candy because they use all sorts of terminology. You know, we talk about the term gun violence. You know, what does that mean, gun violence? Why do they put those two words together and mm-hmm. an assault weapon? You know, mm-hmm. they use those terms for specific reasons to, to change your internal representation of guns. You know, they use things like Wild West and, and, um, and, uh, Oh, and then a very interesting one that they use is common sense gun control. Yeah. Now, why do you think they? Why do you think they use that term? You know, common sense because we all want to think that we have common sense, and we don't want to believe that maybe we don't have common sense. So, of course, we're going to go along with anything that says common sense. Exactly. You know, which is a big, huge lie. And mm-hmm. we, and you, you guys know that as well as I do. It's, a, it's just a huge lie from the anti-gun. Uh, you know, left. So anyway, so all that propaganda, all that nonsense and all those lies. Plus, I was I was torn in rock bands. I was playing in rock bands most of my life. And and the people that I was surrounded with were were less likely to be gun owners. They were more anti-gun. Not that they were bad people, but Mm -hmm. they just leaned that way. And so it all kind of um, culminated in me becoming kind of anti-gun, even though in my mind, I knew I shot guns and I knew guns and and I was comfortable with them. But somehow that propaganda is it's very powerful to mm-hmm. people who aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Dan, welcome to the show. This is Dan. Also, um, you know, hey Dan, hi, hi. I <laughs> Dan, see it, meet Dan. You know, doing cool this. Name. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> doing this for uh, the years that we've done it. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of stories about people that have had a tragic thing happen to them that caused them to decide to carry a gun and get involved in guns, it's kind of like you don't have a choice. You either roll up in a ball and hope the society can protect you, or you decide that I'm going to climb out of this, and I'm going to protect myself, and I'm going to learn how to use a firearm. It's too bad that we have to go through those tragedies to make people make a decision. Yeah, and and don't forget, we have the anti-gunners and the anti-gun radicals on the left trying very hard and working hard every day to keep people in that mindset of fear, you know, they're, they're basically fear mongers. They'll use, they'll use two, two basic strategies against guns and gun owners. What I've learned is they'll teach people to be fearful of guns. So they stay away from the range. So they don't learn. So they don't get educated like the stuff you're talking about. So when people are scared, they usually just avoid, right? So they'll avoid everything. Now, what happens when we start to get educated on something? What happens when we start to learn about something? What happens to the fear at that point? It, it goes subsides, away. It right? yeah. Right. So, so they teach people to be fearful of the gun, which keeps them away from the range so they don't learn. And then they teach people that gun, they teach people to, to hate gun owners, basically. So they teach us that, well, the NRA is bad and, and, and gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger because they, they want their Wild West and all this stuff. So now these same people who are fearful of guns are angry 
and you know mad at gun owners. Mm-hmm. So that keeps them wanting to fight. It's it's a great formula to create an anti-gun warrior. Wow, that is you know that's really something. And those are that's a really powerful triangle you just described. We've got the language that they're using against us, right? They're pairing up words like gun violence in our minds. They're using fear, which creates an avoidance. And then they create an us versus them mentality that vilifies the opponent. Bingo. That that is really, really powerful. And it starts helping us understand a little bit more about why there is such a huge divide between, you know, an us and a them. Because because those of us that are, are gun enthusiasts, we were just talking with uh, one of our other guests here about what a social activity sh- the shooting sports are, you know, and we're such a welcoming group and we're, we're, we just kind of have this mentor mentality that we just always want to help teach and train anybody to, to kind of come on into this cool uh, sport, you know, this cool world of, um, you know, learning about how to defend yourself or looting, learning how to competition shoot or hunting or those kinds of things. And then when we hear ourselves described by the other side, we're like, that's not me. Is that you? Exactly. <laughs> Are they right. talking about you, Dan? Because they're not talking right. about me. <laughs> it's not me. Exactly. But, and here's, here's part of the problem. Gun owners, you know, a lot of, typically a lot of gun owners that, that I'm friends with will say, well, you know, I, I don't care about them. Who cares? You know, we have the Second Amendment on our side. And that's true. But it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, we we really need to understand how they think and why they're thinking that way, because otherwise we're going to let them, you know, run the table like yeah. they have been. Absolutely. Well, we've got to run to commercial, but you're going to stick around with us, right? Sure thing. Okay, very good. And uh, we've been talking with Dan Waz. He's the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical and just real quick, I'm going to put you on the spot, Dan, and I'm going to ask you, since you're a rock and roll guy, who's your favorite rock band? Oh, I was a, always a Kiss fan since I was a little kid. I loved them. There it is, Kiss fan. <laughs> okay, now we know who we're talking to here. I love it. All right, stick around. We got much more coming up with Dan Waz, Good Gun, Bad Guy. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy, and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. 
The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we've been talking with Dan Waz. He's the author of a new book. It's called Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical. Dan, are you still with us? Hey, I'm still here. I'm so excited to have you on today. And before the break, we were talking about some of the strategies that the anti-gunners use, that you understand them from the inside out because you were raised in a household of of Second Amendment supporters. But then in your, your middle life, I guess you'd call it, between then and now, you had gotten kind of sucked into this triangle that the anti-gunners use. They use our language against us. They pair up the words gun and violence. Regularly, they use fear so people avoid the shooting sports, and they create this us versus them uh, atmosphere. And then our side, what do we have? We have facts, right? Yeah, exactly. We have facts, and we have the Second Amendment. You know, but that doesn't win the argument uh, in in the media and in in public. You know, one thing that one thing that the anti I, I. I categorize anti-gunners into two groups. Most, you know, most people say, oh, well, there's some people who like guns, some people who don't. What's, what's the big deal? Well, there's actually two groups on the anti-gun side. There's the anti-gunner who, who doesn't like guns, scared of guns, doesn't have any real experience. They don't necessarily want our rights taken away, but they would be happy if guns just disappeared. Then we have the anti-Second Radicals. The anti-Second Amendment Radicals, they're the ones that are manipulating the narrative. They're the ones that are influencing people. They're the ones that are... Um, you know, would love to see the Second Amendment, you know, destroyed. So what they do is they'll like, they like to make sure that the focus is always on the gun, for instance. That's why after a Sandy, uh, Sandy Hook uh, incident or something like that, you'll always see the media run the guns across the TV screen. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the problem. This is what the you know, because they want us arguing about, about our rights. They want us arguing about statistics and laws and all this stuff, because what it does is it keeps the focus off what's really going on. What's really going on is human violence. Now, if we were to look at human violence, we'd have to start talking about uh, inner city crime, drugs, poverty, uh, sanctuary cities, uh, open borders, and all this stuff that would reflect poorly on failed liberal policy. Mm. So. They don't want us talking about that stuff, so mm-hmm. they, they always make sure to divert the conversation back to the gun. You know, all that stuff, well, that doesn't matter. Don't look at that. Uh, it's the gun. We need to get rid of these guns. And in the meantime, what we lose sight of is that it, it isn't about the tool as much as it is about the right. And so even those of us that want to say, hey, I'm pro-gun, uh, I went to a, a seminar one time, and, and Alan Corwin, who's another author, writes a lot of Second Amendment books and 
that sort of thing. He said, hey, raise your hand if you're pro-gun. Of course, my hand went way up. And he's like, no, you're not. And I'm like, oh, what? What? <laughs> he goes, you, you are pro-rights. And I said, you yeah, know yeah. what? You're right. I am pro-rights. It's really not about the tool. It's about my rights to own the tool, to defend myself any way I choose to. So the fact that the other side constantly makes it about the tool, which is easier to, to pull out of people's hands than it is for them to understand that I'm relinquishing my rights, that, well, that's a lot yeah. harder. Yeah, exactly. And I think what, what people forget is that that Second Amendment is, is not a, a rule or a law. It's a reminder. The Second Amendment is a reminder that we have that right as as human beings we have the right to defend we have the right to protect ourselves and that you know people get that confused with a privilege a privilege is given by man and can be taken by man a right is inherent or god given and i think people forget they 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 don't always remember that there's a difference between privilege and right the last time i looked it wasn't bill of privileges mm. Amen to that. Holy cow. Well, no, you know, Dan, you were talking earlier about how they, the, they're swaying the media and they're kind of swaying us to believe that guns are bad. You know, when we were kids, I'm 62 years old. When I was a kid, we were taught, don't talk about guns. Don't tell your friends you have guns because we're afraid they'd get stolen. Don't tell anybody about guns. And so the the new generation, they didn't talk about the guns. And so mm-hmm. the these anti-gun people weren't afraid to say something and we just kind of sat back, but they woke us up and now people are starting to talk. And I think that's uh, messing the apple cart up. Well, yeah, it is messing their apple cart up and I, and I'm glad to be part of that. And I think that when we look and, you know, you guys know as well as I do being in this, um, in, in the, in the gun world, I guess, if you, if you would, if for lack of better mm-hmm. term, there are, um, some real patriots out there, and we're all starting to join together, and we're all starting to share stories, and we're all starting to make a difference. So, uh, so yeah, it's happening. And you talked about back in the, you know, back in the day. Well, I remember back in the day when I was growing up in the 70s, when I was a kid in the 70s and early 80s, we would play uh, cowboys and Indians. Mm-hmm. You know, we we would if we didn't have a gun, we would break a branch off a tree. It was you know, a staple in our house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, cops and robbers, yep. cowboys and Indians, whatever. And and that was just a great thing. We we used BB guns too. Sometimes we had we had our own BB guns. We never we we, we never hurt each other with Mm-mm. them. And I knew where my where my dad's guns were, yep. and I knew where the ammo was. Yeah. I never once thought to put those two together and go hurt somebody. Wait, Dan, you have a, exactly. you had a BB gun when you were a kid, and you still have two of your eyes. <laughs> What? Exactly. <laughs> shoot I your eye, my eye out. I love it. All right. And so, you know, we're talking uh, with Dan Waz, author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical. And, you know, you were making a point off air about how the media plays a role in this whole anti-gun, anti-rights narrative. What what tactics do you recognize that they're using? Well, Let's look at one in particular, the term assault weapon or assault rifle. That term really wasn't used in the conversation until the 90s, until anti-gun politicians brought it into the conversation, and they, and they use it every chance you know, they get. We, you, 
we know that AR doesn't stand for assault rifle, but they'd like people to believe that. So the people who aren't familiar with Armalite mm-hmm. think that AR, there, there are people literally that think, I talk to them. It's, it's astonishing that they think that AR means assault rifle and that these things are spraying bullets and this right. is what these, these killers do. But they're that convinced. Right. And, and, they, and you can't talk to them. They're convinced, you know, they're set in that, in that belief. So that's, you know, that's the part that really just kind of, that's the part that, that's really bad to the whole, to the whole conversation because they keep pushing that stuff. Well, and assault rifle, assault weapon, just even the word weapon is, is a hot button for Dan. He feels like it's a tool of defense or it's a hunting rifle. It's only a weapon is something you're attacking someone with. And that's yeah, exactly. not exactly. I agree totally. Yeah. So we have a, a gun store, and we say we've got twelve hundred guns, not one weapon in the entire store. That's that right. we've never sold one. And so the hard part about those terms, assault weapon and rifle, is on our side. It sounds cool, right? It's like yeah, I went to the store and I got my assault rifle, yeah. and it's like yeah. so it's hard for us to squash it, you yeah. know? Because but it hurts because it hurts. It hurts exactly. the narrative. It hurts the yeah. Exactly. And when, when you're at the range and, you know, there's a, a, a pro gunner right next to you shooting and we're talking and we're having a conversation. And when a gun owner uses that term, assault weapon or mm. assault rifle, I, I cringe. Yep. I'm like, it, but it tells me one thing. It tells me that this type of anti-gun rhetoric and terminology has per, uh, permeated yes. itself into our conversation. Yes. And, and we have to change it. So we're, I'm working as hard as I can to change that narrative and help people um, see this stuff because sometimes when we don't we don't really recognize it, you know, it's just kind of there. And but to point it out, pull it out into the conversation, talk about it, and help people see it, we can change that narrative back to an honest one. Well, you know, I don't like the word. I don't like political correctness. You know, it bothers me a lot. And so when somebody uses the word weapon, I don't like to correct them with that because. You know, we shouldn't use, you know, it, it doesn't bother me that you use the word weapon, but I don't like it because it makes the people that are anti-gun So you're stuck stronger. between, you know. Good point. Good yeah, point. so I don't yeah. like to How correct people. How much do you people. police other people? Right. That, that is hard. Yeah, I don't want to correct people. When they come in the store, and I don't correct them when they say, do you have a weapon? Right, but if you could use it as an educational point, right. maybe. What do you think, Dan? Was well, I got two Dan's I, here. I, <laughs> I think if they, I think if they, if people are at least aware, um, you know, pro-gunners, gun owners, if they're at least aware, um, our conversations will change. And mm. when mm-hmm. our conversations change, we, we won't, uh, we'll be less inclined to, 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 to um, entertain any of their nonsense. Right. So let's say, we won't, yeah, go ahead. for an example, let's say your next door neighbor doesn't like guns and you want to introduce him in guns. So you say to him, I'm going to go outside and I'm, I'm going to go out to the range and I'm going to shoot my weapon. Do you want to go with me? Or say, I'm going to go to the range and take some firearms. Do you want to go shoot with me? Which is going to be more attractive and get that customer, that person to want to go shoot? That's a good, that's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that for a minute. But um, I, because if he's anti-gun, he's either going to be scared to death to even entertain the thought on any level. Mm-hmm. Or what, what happened to me once is a, a friend, uh, anti-gun type friend, he uh, wanted to go to the range, and I tell this story in the book, too, and I ended up taking him to the range. And 
what I found out later is that it was really just a fact-finding mission for him to go ahead and continue on his anti-gun rants. Mm. <laughs> so now he could say, well, you know, no, I've gone to the range with Dan Watt. Right. I've, I've shot guns. I've, you know, so, so now he can't be labeled as just a, uh, an anti-gunner who right. doesn't have any experience. I wrote a blog once called Don't Be a Butt, and, I, and it's those people that say, well, I own a gun, but... I think the law should be more restrictive or whatever, that kind of thing. And it's like, no, you should say, I want a gun and I believe and support the Second Amendment. So it's, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Well, we got to start wrapping up, but I want to tell people a little bit more about your book and how they can find it and get a copy in their own hands because the minute they do, they are it's a page turner. They are going to want to plow from cover to cover. It is called Good Gun bad guy behind the lies of the anti-gun radical we're talking with the author dan was dan tell folks how they can uh find your website and and get a hold of one of these copies it's pretty simple goodgunbadguy.com or dot net goodgunbadguy.net you can uh search it on amazon you can uh you can find it in a lot of different places uh, and it you know just go online and they can get it at barnes and noble um Lots of lots of different, but the best place to get it is goodgunbadguy.net. Well, it's and, a beautiful uh, website anyway, and they're going to want to spend some time okay. walking, you know, kind of looking around in there. And if you're searching for Dan's name, it's D-A-N and last name W-O-S. Pretty simple. Couldn't be simpler than that. Dan, <laughs> Dan I like the gun on the cover. Did you have that engraved or is that? It's <laughs> awesome. Is that <laughs> put on there? By print. That, boy, that's that's the magic of Photoshop. Oh, yes. it, it's gorgeous. I love it. It's got good gun, bad guy right on the side of a 1911. Yep. So, um, Cheryl knew what that was. I know. Wow. Because I don't know the equipment. So I, that was a big day for me right now. All right, Dan Waz, thank you so much for taking the time to be on with us today. We're going to have to have you come back on and dig even deeper into some of the chapters in your book because this is a very good conversation a very important conversation and we need to educate people on both sides of the aisle wouldn't you say absolutely thanks for having me and you got my number anytime just give me a shout i love it thanks Thanks. so much again dan was author of good gun bad guy thanks cheryl and dan thank Thank you you. stick around we still have a responsible armed citizen report and dan's commentary right after this and we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? 
Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, this is our our final segment. It goes so fast, Dan. I don't know how two hours goes blasting by. Maybe we need three hours, Cheryl. Mm, no, we don't need three hours. <laughs> That's one thing I'm certain of. No, we don't need three hours. Uh, I think we'll, we'll stick with two. Uh, we like to bring you stories in this segment, the response we are in Citizen Report, that normally you don't hear on the national news stations. The, the one we're going to talk about today you did actually get to but uh it's pretty and a pretty extraordinary um story so responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense and two hundred thousand times a year a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed fights a never-ending battle for truth justice and the american way all right imagine for a moment Imagine that you were sitting in your home when three guys break in your back door. These guys are wearing ski masks, have brass knuckles on their gloved hands, and are carrying knives. It is safe to say they aren't there to ask you over for tea. Now, imagine that you live in a state where some politician has made it his or her personal mission to prevent you from defending yourself. Suppose that you live in a place where the moms demand action, rights restrictors, have convinced your neighbors to vote your firearm right out of your hand. Those three guys, they're still coming in your back door. Whether you're armed or not, they are coming. And Danger loves the Bloombergs and the Moms Demand groups. Danger likely makes contributions to their cause because Danger doesn't like it when his victims can fight back. And oddly enough, neither do those politicians. Interesting, isn't it? How much they agree on the anti-gun crowd and the people standing three against one in your kitchen about to maim and murder you? Now, imagine that you live in Oklahoma, where the rights restrictors haven't yet gotten a firm grasp on your neighbors. Imagine those three guys, their masks, brass knuckles, and knives, and you, a responsibly armed citizen, looking back at them and now able to defend yourself. Thankfully, this was the case for one young man who was able to stop danger and his two henchmen from using their tools of pain and death on him and his father because this young man understood his constitutional rights 
was exercising his constitutional rights and was a responsibly armed citizen. Three teenagers who broke into a home in Oklahoma were killed by the homeowner's son firing an AR-15, say police. They were dressed in black, all had masks on, and all had gloves on, Deputy Dick Mahoney told reporters. The intruders, who police say were armed with brass knuckles and a knife, were shot by a 23-year-old man in the act of self-defense, officers said. The son may not face charges due to a stand-for-ground laws. This may be a case of stand your ground. However, it's still too early to say for sure, and we're still looking into all aspects of this, Mr. Mahoney told local media. He was referring to the laws in some states that say a citizen can legally use lethal force if they feel that their life is in imminent danger. Two of the teenagers died inside the home, and one ran outside before dying in the driveway. The homeowner and adult son were at home at the time of the suspected break-in. The teenagers broke through a sliding glass door in the back of the house before encountering the homeowner's adult son, who was armed with an AR-15, police say. The man who authorities say also lives at the address with his father opened fire on the teens after they had a short exchange of words. Authorities say they have no reason to believe the home residents knew the teens. Two of the teens are under 17 years old and one is between 18 and 19. A fourth person has been arrested and is facing murder and burglary charges. Elizabeth Marie Rodriguez, 21, turned herself in at the Broken Arrow Police Station and has admitted to serving as a getaway driver. Nearby residents tell local media that there have been a string of burglaries in the area, but police have made no link. Hmm. Wow. So these people that broke into the house uh-huh. had, a, had a knife and brass knuckles, mm-hmm. and they were covered with masks. Mm-hmm. So obviously they weren't sure if there was going to be somebody in the house or not, but was prepared that if there was someone in the house, that they could take care of them. Mm-hmm. Subdue so, them. Right. So right. Um, what I really like about this story is that the girl that used the getaway car, she pretty well admitted later that she is the one that introduced those three teens to break into that house. And she's going to be charged with three counts of murder, even though she didn't pull the trigger. And I think that's a great example of what should happen to people that are involved in crimes like this. Well, and I've said this several times on the show, you know, home invasion is its own category in my mind. Right. You you come into someone's home with the intent to do them harm. That is their sanctuary. And there's just a special a special category for for somebody that does something like that and it's tragic that the three men that were or the three people that were killed were I think one was 16, one was 17. I don't think the other one was even 18, but it's so sad that their lives are ended for what? I mean, what could they have stolen out of this house that would have right. been worth their life? But, you know, they well, I'm sure made if they'd a have known horrible that, decision. If they'd have known that, hey, we're going to go in here, we're going to get killed, they probably wouldn't have done it. But they take that gamble. You know, I, I just got of a, thought of a new sign, a home invasion sign that says, if you're coming in my house for a home invasion, don't expect to come out. <laughs> Okay. I don't I I think that's interesting. All right. Well, I also want to be sure we have time today for Dan's commentary. Tell yourself you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it.
You know, sometimes it's good to climb over the fence to the other side just to see how things are going over there. And this week, Cheryl did that. She um, went to the 2017 Cesar Chavez breakfast this last Friday, and the keynote speaker, I'm probably going to ruin this name, but Congressman Ruben Gallego, representing the 7th District, talked about how this lady who was an illegal and caught with using a false ID was living in the United States using an ID that she stole and how it was wrong for the U.S. government to deport her because she is an illegal and a mother. It was wrong to deport her because she was illegal or it was wrong to deport her because she's a mother? I think it was because mostly she was a mother. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I'm thinking, what's the other side thinking? Why is it okay to commit a felony and not be held accountable because you're a mother? Well, what other instances are there where that would be the case, I think, is what would pop to R- my right. mind. Right. I you mean, know, show me an example where, okay, oh, no worries. You're a mother. It's okay. It's you're, okay. You get a free pass. How many, how many in our prisons today, how many mothers are in our prisons that committed felonies, but they're in prison? You know, you could look at it. This is an opportunity. The government's wanting to deport her, and they may have already done it. At least she's not going to be behind bars. So they should be thankful that they're not prosecuting her for her felony crimes and lock her in her way in a, in a U.S. prison. But I, I, I don't quite understand. James Brown and I don't understand why just because she's a mother that she's exempt from federal laws. I don't have an answer for you, except that it kind of goes hand in hand with what Dan Waz was talking about in our last segment. He's the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, and just the emotional arguments that are made by the progressive, liberal, left uh, side of the political aisle that, you know, whatever heartstrings they can pull, they're going to pull them. And, you know, they will ignore the facts they will, uh, he says, flat out lie about the facts. And it was really disappointing for me, uh, actually, as I was sitting in this breakfast, because I'd never been before. And I know that Cesar Chavez, you know, he's got a reputation for, for being a good guy and for being a bad guy. There's a lot of people out there in the world like that. It just, you know, you got to take things in context. and You got to see what was he hoping to accomplish, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I was excited about this breakfast because it was a community thing here in Arizona. I was seeing tons of people that I know. It was a beautiful room. It was a very, you know, it was a yummy breakfast. All these wonderful things, right? And I'm thinking, well, you know what? It, they're, they're, they're earning money, raising money for education, for grants for education. And I'm thinking, that's, I'd rather that than somebody, you know, throw another thing on a ballot. So uh, this is great. And then you got, all right, so this is for education, and then this other person is making up fantasy versions of things and ignoring facts, so it's like those two things didn't collide well. But he he just, the speaker got up there and just started, he just took a big knife through the room and divided it down this political line, and it was so unnecessary. And so this this group, this organization that I would have bought a table for next year, now I'm not. Because I'm not going to sit there and have to endure the, it was, it was really painful to listen to and try to control what my face did so that I, I wasn't, uh, 
you know, telegraphing to others how how dis- how uncomfortable I was that I'm sitting there supporting this just by my presence. And I didn't want to make my table host feel uncomfortable. But uh, it was it, it was just unnecessary. He could have talked about anything that united us, anything that brought us together and said, this is why we're here today and we're supporting this educational grant and supporting the next generation of kids. And instead, he took stabs politically well, was, and made up versions of, of reality. And it was, it was unfortunate. He was trying to unite you into their front. Well, not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. But we have to wrap up for today. What a, what a fun show. I really had a good time today. It was neat to get to try something new, the tech segment um, I loved our new little song, Blade. Thank you for splicing that together for us. Thank you for being the newsman today. Wear so many hats over there on the other side of that fancy board with all those dials. Uh, so thank you for all you do. Thank you to our awesome guests for taking time to be with us. Thank you to all of our listeners. You could be doing anything with your time right now, any of the recordings that you listen to. The fact that you're spending your time with us, we value that. We recognize it. And we thank you. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them? All of them, Dan. Okay. Even the ones you don't like. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since. Evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.